0: A brand is an emotional thing. You, 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 you join a company because you want a job and you want to get paid, but you also join a company because you believe in what that company stands for. You commit a huge amount of time and energy to the business you work for. And so therefore, again, if you're the founder or if you're anybody else who's joined ever since, you have an emotional connection to that organization. And that, that, that level of intensity is different across everybody, but it's there. And so therefore, rebranding that, that business needs to be able to you know, it needs to be able to navigate that, but also it needs to be able to harness that because again, it's not just a paycheck. It is something that, you know, a lot of people have committed a lot of energy to building and growing. And so again, you're you're trying to harness that rather than necessarily look about look at it as as an obstacle or something you need to be need to be navigating around.
1: When building a business you're passionate about, it's easy to feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. Trust me, I'm still there. And if you're doing all the invoicing and accounting on your own, you're probably spending time on work you don't love. FreshBooks is built for business owners like you. It's the all-in-one accounting software that saves entrepreneurs and freelancers up to 11 hours a week. That's 11 hours you can spend nailing a client pitch, serving your customers, or honing your craft. From building, sending, and following up on invoices, to tracking and managing expenses, to processing online payments. FreshBooks automates and simplifies all the tough and annoying parts of running your own business. It's also super easy to get up and running, and the award-winning FreshBooks support team is always available to answer your questions. Try FreshBooks free for 30 days. No credit card is required. Just go to freshbooks.com forward slash just do it to get started today and get more time back to building the business that you love. Okay, so welcome to another episode of Scratch It with me, Alex, and I'm joined today by James Clark from Moulton. So, James, is the marketing director at Moulton Ventures, a publicly listed European venture capital firm investing in Series A onwards, European high growth tech companies with global ambition. So think Revolut, think former guests of this very show, such as Graze, Trustpilot and all Plants to name but a few. Uh, James has got 20 plus years of experience when it comes to to marketing, to business strategy, uh, leadership, combined with a deep knowledge of tech and Tech Investment and was formerly Head of Tech and Life Sciences, Primary Markets at the London Stock Exchange. So welcome to the show, James.
0: Thank you very much, Alex. It's great to see you.
1: Good to see you too. So um, you joined Molten back in 2020. uh, So I guess coming up to a couple of years, Uh, were you brought in for the rebrand of um, formerly Draper Esprit or is it something that's evolved since you joined the business itself?
0: Sure. So, yeah, look, I, I've known, you yeah, know, what was Draper Esprit for, for coming up on a decade, actually. I've, I've known that the founders sort of through my through my time in the venture capital industry, and I've, I've known the business for a long time, the management for a long time. And it, it, it's, you know, it's always been an organization I've liked and got on well with and kind of admired them for their for their different way of, of seeing things. So when the opportunity came up to, to sort of join them in a marketing capacity, uh, it was actually something I was really keen for. Um and the brand was something I kind of had in the back of my mind, but it wasn't sort of top of mind for me. There was a bunch of other things that I, I wanted to get on with first, but it was it sort of became quite clear that once I joined, there was sort of some energy within the team to do something a little bit different. So, um, yeah, we, we kicked off a process in about sort of April, sort of about August 2020. So not, not too long after I joined.
1: And when it comes to an exercise, so- how many stakeholders are there? are there? Are there a lot of voices, a lot of opinions, or does it ultimately, uh, you know, rest on your rest on your shoulders as director of marketing?
0: So, look, I think it depends on the size of your organization. So so when I joined, you know, Draper Esprit, it was about sort of 40 or so people. We're, we're probably about 70 or so people now. Um, and, and for an organization our size, it, the, the, the beauty of it is you can actually speak to everyone about it. Now, we still have, you know, Stu Chapman, who I I know has spoken on your show, is one of the co-founders. So, you know, Stu's been around since the start of the business over 15 years ago. And so, you know, you think about that stakeholder group, you have everything everything from one of the co-founders to, you know, people who joined the company, you know, as as sort of recently as, you know, a couple of months before the rebrand started, myself included. Um, And so, you have this real diversity of experience across the organization. And, one of the things that i'm really sensitive about as, as as a marketing person is that you don't want to be seen as the marketing guy who came in and wanted to change everything and and that that suddenly was something was i was very conscious about and so therefore i didn't come in with a with a desire to change everything i came in got 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 a feel for how people felt about the brand internally and then throughout the process tried to make sure that i wasn't running the process i was sort of the cipher or trying to sort of draw out information from the people of the company to try and make sure the brand was an expression of them rather than something that it was driven by me uh, so i yeah. kind of see myself as as a facilitator more than as somebody who is trying to impose a brand on the company because it, that doesn't work if you're trying to do that you have to try and you have to try and capture the mood within the company and bring that forth because ultimately a brand is an expression of the, the people that, that are within it
1: yeah and interested to know um and i guess depends on the individuals with it, but was it quite emotive as well? Was it quite an emotional subject for, for some people?
0: I mean, it, it was, It was. you know, a brand is an emotional thing. You, 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 you join a company because you want a job and you want to get paid, but you also join a company because you believe in what that company stands for. You commit a huge amount of time and energy to the business you work for. And so therefore, again, if you're the founder or if you're anybody else who's joined ever since, you have an emotional connection to that organization. And that, that, that level of intensity is different across everybody, but it's there. And so, therefore, rebranding that, that business needs to be able to, you know, needs to be able to navigate that, but also it needs to be able to harness that. Because, again, it's not just a paycheck. It is something that, you know, a lot of people have committed a lot of energy to building and growing. And so, again, you're, you're trying to harness that rather than necessarily look about, look at it as, as an obstacle or something you need to be, need to be navigating around.
1: And did you keep everything um, in house essentially, or did you did you reach outside of the organisation to bring other people
0: in? So, I've got a, a long background. So, before sort of my the first ten years of my career were in brand advertising. So, doing brand processes like this from the agency side is something that I've got a lot of history on. So, I felt pretty confident in my ability internally to manage the process and working with partnerships. So, we we sort of put together a a steering group and, and working group to be able to run the project through of a smaller number of people but obviously with this sort of stuff it, it helps to work you know with very high quality branding partners so obviously we put a we put the brand project out to pitch we had agencies pitch to us and we selected a really high quality partner in, a, in an agency called koto uh, actually who were put who were put onto us by one of our one of our portfolio companies and 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 sort of we've we nice. done a few other vc firms as well so there's referral, there's building relationships, and there's trying to find a partner who's going to help you through this process. Probably something else to consider is that, you know, we were we were doing this in August 2020, and, and branding processes tend to be very high intensity, there's a lot of interaction, there's a lot of work, and we were doing this remotely. We were doing this in lockdown, we were doing this at a time when you couldn't do the sorts of things that we needed you would traditionally want to do with that, that kind of a, a bit of work. So finding a partner who understood that and had a process to work around the remote side of the the, the activity was was hugely important for us. And Koto is sort of they sort of they're a bit of a remote first business themselves, you know, offices in London, Berlin and, and LA. So we wanted to work with a with a partner who knew how to make that process work remotely.
1: That, that that makes perfect sense because as you said, normally you'd probably all get you know all get together and you'd have a big whiteboards and you'll be, you know, throwing yeah, ideas like, at the screen yeah. and breaking up into we, little we, we groups. These
0: are all the classic cliches of a rebranding process and we have <laughs> so, yeah, you having to you're having to really think about how you can do this sort of thing differently and having a partner who has a method to do that is is so important. Mm,
1: and and you know, I guess you know hindsight, etc. But looking back to it now, how risky a move was it at the time, and how right do you think you've got it thus far?
0: Um, look, any any brand change is always a risk. I mean, you, you sort of you've, you've, you've built we had built up fifteen years of, of of I guess sort of understanding of our brand uh, within our industry over that period of time, and so so. Yeah, and even though there've been sort of name changes throughout that we'd sort of the, the draper or the Esprit part of the name had been involved for for a long period yeah, a decent period of time um mm. that said you know it's they, sort of you you kind of like any kind of thing there's opportunity within that risk and the way we looked at it was our business had evolved a lot especially over the last you know five years we've gone public it's a radically different thing for a venture capital firm to go public the mm-hmm. company had grown very substantially um had grown very substantially in the time that had been on the public markets you know we'd sort of we'd had some new management coming we have a new ceo martin davis had joined us i think in about november 19 so there was sort of a lot of evolution within the business that was pushing for some sort of recognition around the brand as well yeah you know, we have new leadership of the investment team. There, there's, there's a lot of reasons why we were trying to do this. and so therefore we, we sort of sort of saw yes, there was risk involved, but there was a also opportunity around that of recognizing where the brand had, where the company had changed and having a brand that tried to reflect that. Other things that was were a consideration for us was you know we'd been listed on Aim, which is the, the, the sort of junior growth market for London Stock Exchange. And we were considering a move to the main market. We're now we're now on the main market. We're 4250 sized. And so there was this recognition that as, as our business grew, we needed a brand that could, you know, could help us grow with it, or the a brand that could go with us as we grew. And we we felt that that, that sort of the draper Esprit brand was sort of part of our heritage, but not necessarily part of our future. And so we needed mm. a brand that could be recognizable and help us. Uh, help us, I guess, sort of talk about the ambitions we had as a company to scale and go into the future.
1: And when you're working with uh, Koto, um, as, as you mentioned earlier, were there any, you know, examples from from history that they would bring out to to, to show, you know, this was, uh, this we believe this was a successful way to go, this was perhaps an unsuccessful route to go, or did you bring anything of that to yourself to the table as well?
0: Um. Look, there's one of what I wouldn't put it in those terms necessarily. The, the way I'd put it is this: you know, venture capital is an industry that has changed in a staggering amount over the last 15 years. I mean, you think about how the technology, how technology has changed our all, all of our lives in the last 15, 20 years. Well, venture capital has changed a lot in itself, and you know, it's gone from being kind of a cottage industry to. The, the sort of the financial engine that drives entire economies now. If you look at you know the number of or just just look at all the biggest companies in the U.S. They're all tech companies and they're all pretty much all venture capital backed. So venture capital itself has changed remarkably, and European venture capital of which we are part has changed dramatically as well. Now, one of the things that hasn't really changed is this industry hasn't really, to my to my sort of to my way of seeing things, adopted what are fairly standard marketing practices you'd find outside venture capital in packaged goods yeah. or you know, businesses like Procter and & Gamble and Unilever and sports brands like Nike and Apple and all these actually many of the companies that we invest in, these industries have had to adopt you know, quite sophisticated marketing strategies and techniques uh, to sort of to continue their growth and to, to sort of present themselves to a public and to talk about more about who they are and what they do. And venture capital hadn't really adopted many of these practices at all. Um, and, and and in many ways, it was sort of, it, it, it was still, it, it still sort of felt quite nascent as a, as a marketing opportunity. And part of the reason I joined, I joined back then Draper Esprit was I wanted to try and change the way marketing is done in this industry. Mm. Uh, and one of the first things that you need to do is to really look at how your brand communicates and, and talks about what you're trying to do and displays your ambitions, and you know the brand was one of the first, the first sort of touch points that people come across. So therefore, let's let's look at doing brand the way any other industry would look at brand.
1: And and interested to know, you know, it brought up a couple of interesting points there as well with regards to you know changing the way um, that your industry now venture capital you know does marketing essentially. Uh, what other um, kind of strands of marketing. Have you have you looked to incorporate or say part of the runway this year that you're looking to, to to add that you can talk about? Obviously,
0: something I can talk about. Um, well, <laughs> I the I, I, venture capital has some things that it does a lot of and does does sort of you know consistently pretty well. Things like you know PR and communications, mm. you know um, events and sponsorship, content marketing, that sort of stuff. And and in my opinion, you know, you need to be you need to be able to be you know top level at those things so you can get permission to do the stuff that might be a little bit more a little bit more different. I mean something that we you. did not long after I joined was we did you yeah, know a, a very small run but a, a sort of a very short sharp um, social media ad campaign in sort of the, the autumn of 2020 um, that to my knowledge most venture capitalists have never done you know stuff like pay-per-click and social media mm-hmm. advertising and, and all that's sort of, like the sorts of things that that are, are Pretty basic for, for for almost any other industry. Most people don't do those things, and we had a very specific target we wanted to do, and we had a purpose behind what the campaign was doing. And you know, we we, we overachieved in terms of the metrics we were going for. Um, and so, you know, it, for for me, it sort of said, well, okay, there's there's things that we're not doing that we could be doing quite differently. And you know, if you're a a venture capital firm that's done different things like being publicly listed, why don't you think about doing things differently uh, in other parts of your business? And and marketing is very much the sort of what my focus for how to do those sorts of things differently.
1: Mm, interesting. Um, and I think it'd be really helpful for, for our audience, those who, you know, are the owners of businesses, the CEOs, the, you know, the MDs, directors, um, marketing directors, etc. Um, to talk talk through the process a little bit itself um, with, when it comes to rebranding. And yeah. you, you mentioned, you know, who you kind of leaned on, you know, a little bit with with, with Koto and in-house teams. But we'd love to, you know, find out a little bit more about the process. If you can share that, uh, share that with us, James.
0: Yeah, sure. So, look, um, as I say, this was part of my, my my marketing. You know, how I cut my teeth in marketing and advertising, mm. and I think the thing the thing to bear in mind about marketing is, sorry, a, a rebrand is in many ways you are trying to understand what the company does very well and what the company stands for, and then and then kind of find a way to express that and and. Most people think about the logo and the colors and the fonts and you know, all that sort of stuff that is the, the, the visual expression of uh, what a brand does. But a lot of, and to my mind, at least 75% of the effort happens at the start of the process where you're trying to get an understanding for the business itself. And it's, it's, a, it's a bit like an hourglass. You spend you know, you know quite, a, quite a substantial period of time and effort concentrating down all these aspects of what the business stands for. Down to like a single proposition that expresses that business, um, and so we spent you know, probably probably about four months uh, towards year 2020 pulling together our strategy. You know, going out interviewing our team. You know, interviewed everyone across the business. Interviewed people in our portfolio. Interviewed interviewed people not in our portfolio. Interviewed other VCs that we work with. You know, trying to get an understanding of what they think makes us us uh and then then what you do out of that process is you go well look here is a whole group of things that could be defined as as this business name to be decided you know what is what is at the core and then you need to need to sort of figure out which ones of those those are most salient to you as a business but also then which ones are most salient to your audience so find a way to combine the thing that everyone in your own business agrees is a fact you know is an important thing to you and then find the thing that you think is going to be important to your audience. Uh, And the audience for us could be entrepreneurs, it could be other members of the tech industry, we're publicly listed, so things that would be interesting to our investor audience, to stakeholders, so that it's sort of quite a broad group. But you have to try and find that proposition that defines you as a business, and then also other people see you as that thing. And if you bear in mind... A brand is not something that you can control. A brand is something that you <laughs> you put out into the world and is it's, it's, it's the, the sort of the, the collective knowledge of this company for everybody that that, that that comes across it. And so therefore, you can't, you know, all you can do is influence how people think about you. You can't you can't be too directive about it. And the things that most people think about, you know, the colors and logos and fonts and all that sort of stuff, there are ways to try and influence that. But all, what, what you have at the core is this proposition. And so, we spent about four months at the start of the process pulling this information together. And I have to say it was interesting looking, looking forward and looking back about how this is done. I mean, Koto operated a very rapid pace of of how they produce this stuff. They operate in sprints, very different mm-hmm. to how I used to do things back in the day. I mean, what was a probably a nine-month process was compressed down to down to four months. Uh, we came right. out in december with a, with a brand strategy about you know what the what the business goal was what the business vision was what the business proposition was uh you know our 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 sort of our brand personality and then sort of the values around the brand as well and we we sort of got to that process by yeah by december had board approval in 2020 and the, the proposition that, that sort of we we came across um I'll come back to in a little bit but sort of that that proposition then became The sort of the inception point for all the creative work that followed, everything from the name to the colorways to the 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 visual aspects of the brand to all those sorts of things, that fell out of that 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 process of getting to that single point. And so, from sort of January 2021 onwards, there was a lot of work around that that creative exposition. And you know, sort of obviously at that point, people tend to have more of a a sort of you sort of you're trying to manage objectivity and subjectivity around. Colors and name and all that sort of stuff. I'd say that the naming process was was pretty interesting. We we sort of we worked with Koto. We built a pretty a pretty sort of detailed brief about the sorts of name we wanted and how you know what it would say about us. Um, you know some some things that your audience might find useful. There's many different types of names. Um, there's sort of invented names. There's associative names. There's all sorts of things. You know an invented mm. name and, and and you sort of you choose a name depending on what your circumstances are. So, for example, you know, one of our portfolio companies is Kazoo. So, built by Alex Chesterman, you know, former founder of Zoopla. You know, Alex tends to pick names that are what you call in, you know, invented names. They don't exist before he invents them. But he builds big hmm. consumer brands, and big consumer brands tend to have marketing budgets that help put meaning behind that name. So, Kazoo is a great example of this. Now, venture capital firm, we don't have big marketing budgets, so, therefore, you're trying to pick a name that, that 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 helps tell that story before you get before anyone sort of gets any further. So Got we it. want yeah. what you call an associative name, a name, um, a word that already exists that enables you to help tell a story through the name. Uh, obviously, at that point, you run into some challenges around things like trademarking and various other sorts of things. You know, URLs and trademarking are the bane of of the naming the, the naming business. Um, but we would, you know, we we picked the name that would express part of our brand and part of our personality and and set an emotional sort of connection to the brand through the word itself so people could understand that a little bit better. So the name process happened. You then send out, you know, you pick a handful of names. They go off into trademarking. That can take three to six months. Meanwhile, you're having to develop the other parts of the creative aspect of the brand, you know, the visual look and feel. And this is one of the interesting challenges. It's not a linear process. You can't Mm. go, we've got a name, now let's do the creative work. Because hypothetically, what do you get back from trademarking could be one of a handful of different names. Yeah. So again That's tough. Yeah, that is tough. So what, what you end up doing is rather than going, you know, if, if you look at it in a if you look at it sequentially, you go proposition, name, and then visual brand. Whereas mm-hmm. we have to go proposition, name to one direction, visual brand to an, in, to run in parallel, <laughs> and then try and connect them up at the other side of that. And look, it's there's there's a lot of marketing theory are behind that, and I won't bore, I won't bore your <laughs> listeners, but if anybody wants to get in contact with me, I will bore them if they're interested. <laughs> um, but, but what you're trying to do is you're trying to build something that is intellectually coherent. So there is, you know, brands should have an intellectual coherence that, that won't be apparent the first time you come across them, but you're going to deal with them repeatedly over many, many years, and that that intellectual coherence should actually emerge from those interactions and so, and we can, we can come to that a little bit later. So you build the brand, you build the visual assets, you build the name, and then sort of you're, you, what you're then trying to find is once that process is complete, you build the brand guidelines. In our case, we had to rebuild our website from scratch. In fact, we built two websites from scratch because we have kind of a, a, a tech industry-facing website, which is you know, MiltonVentures.com. And then we because we're publicly listed, we need to deal with our investor relations. So we have an investor relations website which is oh, so they, and, they, and they, they are structured differently because if you're talking to the, the tech audience, you're, the, 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 the people coming to your website, there's a process of discovery. They want to mm. understand what makes you tick and understand your values, and understand how you make investment decisions and these sorts of things. Whereas the people yeah. coming to the investor relations website, you're an asset manager from a large pension fund you need to just grab information that is relevant mm-hmm. to you as quickly as possible, or you might be you might be building software that scrapes our website for that information. So that information architecture is structured completely differently. So we have to think about that when we're really rebuilding the websites, along with doing the rebrand, along doing the rename, and along with all the other sorts of stuff we have to do as well. So the process itself was so August 2020 to launch in November 2021. We ultimately decided to launch in November because – uh it was a few weeks before we had our um our, our interim results being publicly listed it was a week after one of the big events in the tech industry which is web summit and a few weeks before another web, uh, big industry event which is slush in Helsinki. Yeah. and we wanted to be able to you know land after one but be prepared for the next one so that that sort of we, we ended up with a fairly tight window of i think the 9th of november is the date we ended up going for the rebrand launch so hmm. 15 months something like that from start to finish but Yeah, a lot of stuff that happened in the middle.
1: And uh, it's interesting because I, I was having a conversation yesterday with uh, Ben Branson, who's the founder of Seedlip, the, the non-alcoholic um, yep. drinks brand. And um, yeah, me too. Me too. And, I, you know, I didn't realize that his background was literally his father had a, you know, his mother had a farm, which is where, you know, he, he kind of learned that, you know, the yep. different herbs and et cetera. And, and he came, his father had a design agency. So he said he was actually, you know, going out to um, pitch to two different agencies. And his father's like, what are you doing that for? and he's like well I didn't think you know I'd come to you and he's like no we would love to do this for you and I was like oh my god how differently things could be because it's you know that thing of a bottle standing out from behind the bar leaping out at you and you know it's one of those associative names that you just jig my memory when you said that you know seed lip and it's like seed to lip and it was like aha boom you know eureka moment type thing so it's 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 interesting process to go through and um for for you you know what's how did you, in that process, define what a successful rebrand would look like? Were there certain yeah. metrics that you all had to agree on and it then went to to board level, et cetera?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, it was, it was not quite as – it wasn't quite the process that you talked about, but I, I did have some goals for it. And so, yeah, one of the things we realized pretty early on, right at the start of the, the – they call the emergency session with Koto, where you're basically effectively putting yourself on the couch and trying to understand <laughs> yeah. what you think. Um, and, and for us, it was, you know, everyone in the company, everyone in Draper Esprit had a different conception of what Draper Esprit meant. And so if everyone in the company sort of thinks about it slightly differently, then everyone, you know, it, it, that, that difference magnifies as it gets further out into the industry. So the first thing we needed to do was we needed, as I say, we need to find a common proposition we could all get behind and, you know, make more possible, which is also our, also our motto, was the proposition that, that we came up with, and it's this idea that you know venture capital exists to make more possible. We invest in companies who make more possible. We're publicly listed, so for our our, our investors, we make more possible. You know, we have a, we have a big commitment to ESG, so therefore, that make more possible takes on many different dimensions. So we wanted everyone to be able to gather behind that, and so therefore, I wanted to, to produce a brand firstly that everyone in the company would accept it like, and yeah, you know, this 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 has been great. It has worked very well that way. The second thing was, you know, being pretty pragmatic about this, you want the industry, um, you know, venture capital industry and the investment community to accept the name. So, do mm-hmm. they start adopting your name pretty quickly? And, you know, Molten Ventures, formerly Draper Esprit, very happy. You know, you, people start to just recognize, oh, that's that group of people. Molten Ventures is what used to be Draper Esprit. Same great business, same group of people same sort of particular innovative way of doing things, that's great. And then over time, you want people to have a great, build a greater understanding of what that brand means. And so this is sort of where you get back to this sort of, for one of a you know, unfortunately, sort of kind of wanky sounding, mean, this intellectual coherence that sits underneath the brand. And so this is something where i I think I think there can be a lot of work within the venture industry to do. A lot of venture industry, so a lot of venture capital brands are kind of what I'd call a label. Like the name doesn't necessarily mean anything, or it means that the, the names of the people who work there. It's kind of a label to help you go, oh, that company means those people, but it doesn't tell you anything about what those people stand for, or the sorts of things that they do. It, it's something that you have to spend a lot of time building up over time. Whereas if you get the, the, the brand association right, then then people understand a lot more about you before they even come and speak to you. Mm. And so for us, it was this sort of, we call this idea of, you know, this, this idea of transformational energy. So, you know, if you look at venture capital as as a, as a process, we invest into great companies and we help them to expand and, and build themselves into something bigger and better and newer. Uh, but in, in many ways, there's a difference between venture capital and other forms of investment where, it's not just money we put into it, there's huge amounts of time and effort. And and, and Molten Ventures really prides itself on working on boards and providing extra services and going the extra mile and providing knowledge and energy and, and insight to help our companies grow. And so the in many ways that that point of investment, that point where we get involved with the business and the, the further stage of, it, of it, the further stages of investment we get involved in are moments of transformation for those portfolio companies where we, you know. For us, it's not just about money, it's this energy that we put in that that is beyond the capital that we invest. So, Mm -hmm. this idea that we provide transformational energy that helps companies to make change at a key point in time. And so, one of the things, you know, know, venture capital tends to be around very sort of technology driven companies and technology is about science. And if you look at the world of science, there there is a moment in sort of, in, in physics that, that, that captures this idea of transformation through energy. And if you remember your high school physics, this idea of state change. You know, you go from solid to liquid mm. to gas to plasma. And each one of these states of change or change states is 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 in is created by an injection of energy. You know, something is solid, you inject a bunch of you inject a huge amount of energy and it becomes liquid. And you take inject more energy and it becomes a gas. And if you keep injecting energy, it becomes a plasma. And each one of those states could do something that's different the previous one couldn't. For you know, would yeah. flow around objects the way solids can't, and gases expand to fill space the way that liquid can't. And plasma is so powerful it just cuts through everything. So you're sort of creating a, a sort of an analogy between venture capital and this physical process of state change. So if mm-hmm. you look at you know the, the shapes that we've used in our visual identity, there's these moments of contact where those states change. You know, square is the solid. That sort of um that that sort of oblong shape is liquid so each one of these states in, involves a point of state change and we're trying to create an analogy for what venture capital and and we specifically are as a firm and how we can help our companies transform and that and the name came from that so if you think about that first point of transformation when solid goes to liquid it becomes molten and that that was the origin of the name
1: I love it. And it's probably yeah. one of the few things I've retained from my science lessons back in,
0: <laughs> well, the, back thing, in the day. The thing about it is we, we don't expect people to go, oh, look at the shapes. That means state change. It's yeah, not going to happen. Yeah. But it's over a period of time, people become familiar with it. And there's a point of discovery. I mean, there's you've seen the stuff circulating around on Twitter and LinkedIn and whatever else. And somebody goes, oh, look at the Amazon logo, the the little light, that the arrow goes from A <laughs> to the Z. And there's a smiley face. Oh, it's oh, there's, 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 there's layers. And so yeah, yeah. what you're hoping is that over a period of time, through, through you know further interaction, you're able, people sort of get a greater understanding of this sort of stuff to the point that at some point in the future, people might connect this idea that, oh, Molten Ventures, Transformation Energy, they can help my business transform because they do more than just capital. They, they give themselves to us to help that happen.
1: And, to and interesting to, to, to know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, when you were going through that initial part of the process and, and interviewing people and getting people's opinions, that you spoke to other VC firms as well. There's not, there's not that many industries in the world where people in a competitors, should we say, actually do speak to each other. Podcasting happens to be one of them where people do yeah. as well. But interested to know, were, were there any like, red herrings that came from those conversations, or were people uh-huh. aligned?
0: And look, I don't think so. Venture capital is an interesting industry as you talk about. I mean, look, we we compete with each other ferociously, but you might be sitting on the same board as another company. And you know, ultimately mm. we act in the interests of the companies we invest in. So having venture capitalists like fighting like cats and dogs on a board or behaving like dicks to each other isn't helping the portfolio companies. You know, that that mm. so therefore there's a degree of cooperation. And, and it, you know, it if we're asking somebody else look, we need your feedback on this. They probably sit on a board with us at another company. And if everyone on the board is looking better, you know, as a strong brand, that just helps the portfolio company. So there, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of enlightened self-interest, I suppose you put it that way. And, and it's sort of without without sort of, you know, making it seem to, to sort of, you know, sunshine and roses, It because it, it's very competitive, There there is sort of a, a realisation that we, we work together to the benefit of the portfolio companies we work with, but we compete like compete fiercely to be able to invest in those businesses.
1: Yeah, it just reminded me because I've got a, I've got a phone call with um, Magnus Grimeland, uh, the, the, one of the founders at Antler, and I, I'm yeah. sure you guys work together on on we, We're, we're
0: investors in uh, one of one of the other weird things and unusual things that, that Multan Ventures do. We are an LP investor. We invest into other VC firms. Again, this is something that. Very few VCs are able to do because they're not publicly listening, they don't know the structure. But yeah, yeah. Antler is one of the, the sort of forty or fifty or so seed venture capital firms across the world, across Europe and a few into the US that we now invest in. It's one part of a key part of our business.
1: Got it. Okay, interesting. Right, given. Um- Backgrounds in in marketing. Are you down for a little change up pace? And I'm just gonna <laughs> throw some names at you for companies that have rebranded, and you've just got to go uh, hit or miss. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, I'm gonna get myself in trouble
1: here. <laughs> okay. I just thought that this would be fun. So let's go. So let's go. Pepsi. Pepsi. Um. Uh, I'm I,
0: I've, I've, okay. So <laughs> this is a good one. So I've just gone through the intellectual coherence <laughs> behind your brand. And I've seen the Pepsi stuff around their brand. And I'm like, look, guys, okay, this, okay, too far. I mean, there's a limit to how far you can go with this sort of stuff. And look, okay, fine. You've got a logo and there are many different applications of it, but you've taken this way too far. But, you know, good for you for trying. Uh, I, I wouldn't call it a from a brand point of view. I'd call it a, like, disappearing up your own ass from an intellectualization.
1: <laughs> Love it. Okay. Here's, here's an interesting one as well. Lego.
0: Lego is Lego is a classic. I mean it's sort of I don't think you'd, it, it's timeless. like this this is the thing. Lego like actually you, you, I sort of mentioned before when when you join a company as a marketing person, there's sort of like this horrible impression of the, the person who wants to come in and change everything. The, the thing to bear in mind is as a marketer, you are a steward of the brand, right? And so if you're a marketing person working at Lego, you're a steward of a fantastic brand. There's there's actually mm-hmm. not very much for you to do around the brand, and you're you walk in there knowing this is what I'm joining, and this is what needs to be. Done. I think I think it's a great brand. I, if I was if I was in the the CMO, CMO's position of Mark of, of, of Lego, I'd be doing everything I can to just enhance the fantastic brand that they already have. So, Stewart, yeah. you be a steward in that type of situation.
1: Agreed. Um, okay, a recent one, I, I guess, um, Facebook.
0: To Meta. Um, mm. Look, I, I, I felt a lot of I felt a lot of sympathy when Facebook rebranded to Meta because obviously it was something that they've been cooking up for a long time, but the timing of it made it seem like they were responding to events. Um, <laughs> it did, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. It did. And, and look, it, the, yeah. I, I I actually personally have a great amount of admiration for for Mark Zuckerberg and the challenge that that he has with with what was Facebook and is now Meta. I mean, how many how many business people have a constituency of half the world? I mean, think about that. Half the world is is using Facebook on a monthly basis. That's not including China, where they're not allowed to be. So mm. it's more than more than half the available world they're operating with. And so, so it, it's think about the the level of cultural challenge you have there. And and Facebook you know, and Zuckerberg have looked at the world and gone, you know, we we need to be actively changing the world. They've they've taken a big bet on thinking that you know the, the metaverse is the way to go, and they've picked the most, you know, the most universal way to do you know, to, 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 own that, that particular space. And they've gone with matter. I just, I have a great deal of sympathy. that something that's probably taken months to work on happens to come out within weeks of, well, okay. They've been in trouble for a long time, but it's specifically within weeks of issues that makes it seem like they're responding to events. And that's, I just, yeah. you know, you look at that and you're like, Oh, they're meant for the grace of God type thing. That's
1: like a good lose, lose, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. what about going back a few years, I guess, uh, British airways, BA.
0: Um, look, I got in, this is, this can sound embarrassing. I got into advertising because of the British, adver- British airways face, uh, campaign that they did back in the eighties. It was, it's beat. Like for me, it's the iconic advertising ad. Like it's, it's the ad that, that, that I think all ads should be measured by. And so uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the the thing that I feel about British airways is they've traded off their reputation for a really long time. And the experience does not match up to does not yeah. match up to the brand. So the the idea of to fly to serve and all that sort of thing, it's great if you live up to it, but it's not mm. a customer focused organization. It's a it's it's just no, not. Agree. So I, I I feel that um there there is a brand that, that needs to have a really solid look at itself. And 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 realize that you know marketing is actually bad for it. There's, there's one of my favorite marketing sayings is uh, you know nothing kills a you know, nothing kills a um, a shit product like great marketing. And uh, and and British Airways is that it's it, for me. It's a, it's a shit product with, with great marketing that people still you know are emotionally attached to.
1: Mm, very true i've got loads but i'm only going to give you one more because i know okay. um <laughs> to fit into the right, time by slot way, I've,
0: just, I've just written myself out of all sorts of jobs for you. I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe not maybe not maybe maybe the people are like james we don't need you and the people at british areas like, oh, we need to in the call anyway well, exactly so it
1: could it could work like that it could okay last one for you james i appreciate you playing along with me on this one sure. mcdonald's how do you feel about okay, so McDonald's I
0: spent, rebrand? I spent the, the, my, my first job, I spent six years working at McDonald's. Um No way. Uh, I didn't know. No, no, that. no. Okay. Like, like, it was, yeah, it was actually my, McDonald's took me through university, took me all around, like I traveled, you know, I spent save money and traveled, all that sort of stuff. So I've always got a soft spot for McDonald's. Um, <laughs> the challenge for them is they're in they're in a very strange space. And I think that you know, if you're if you're the, the burger company uh and you're being you're being beaten on one side by People who make more specialized burgers, and there's sort of there's a whole fat around burgers, but you can't follow that because you're all about sort of consistency and reliability. Mm. And then on the other side, you have sort of these health products. Um, look, I, I think that they, you know, they they ultimately have done a, a, a great job in a in a pretty competitive space. They've got the, the the intelligence from a marketing perspective to know how to find audiences and be able to win them over with new propositions. Um, look, I, I I couldn't complain with anything they've done. I think I'm loving it. Okay, fine, it's a tagline. It's it's sort of one of those nice feeling but reasonably meaningless type types of things. But you know, can't mm. criticize what they're doing. They're they a business that faces competitors and they try to use marketing to to, to face them off. Um, but I have to, be honest, yeah. have to be honest with you. I think KFC marketing just shits all over McDonald's. KFC marketing is so much Do better. Do you? Yeah, they do. I, I, was, it, those, I was just
1: noticing there's the other day that all of the near to me, there's two, you know, they, they kind of rebranded the, the look of the shop, but they still got the kernel. The kernel is still well, up uh, there. It, it,
0: but they they know their audience. And they like, one of my favorite ones is there was a campaign for, um. They, they've done two campaigns where I thought were great. One of them was you'll notice that there's an awful lot of fried chicken shops that use variations of KFC or Kentucky Fried Chicken. And so KFC have just made light of that by, using a bunch of those and saying, seriously guys, we're flattered. Uh, and the other one <laughs> was, um, at the end of lockdown, they did a campaign about people having to try and make their own Kentucky fried chicken, um, their own KFC, uh, in lockdown. And now the lockdown's over, you can go and get the real league. It was, it was so well done. Uh, and mm. so I know you've asked me about McDonald's, but I'm sorry, KFC, just do it. better. Love it.
1: Love it. Um, and to, to, to finish up, um, for, for those who you want to find out a little bit more about Molten Ventures as well. Sure. First off, l- last portfolio brand, would, would it have been all plants or have there been other investments since then that i
0: uh, No, the missed? most recently was a company called Mostly AI, uh, which they produce um, artificially generated data so that other companies can train artificial intelligence models on data. It's a, <laughs> it's it's wow. one of those sorts of inception kind of businesses, but it's yeah. you know, based out of generally Yeah, you know, huge brand. Uh, we've got uh, another deal actually announcing on Monday but it's sort of a follow on deal so we've invested at an earlier stage they're doing another round we kind of we have a cycle at the moment which is sort of an announcement every two to three weeks so it's not just new companies we invest in as I mentioned it's yeah, that idea of the the transforming shapes—it's not just that first deal; it's every deal, mm. it's the subsequent deals because we work with these companies over the long term to help them grow. So, but mostly AI was a couple of weeks ago. It's most recent, we have a another announcement on Monday, and then we have uh, other ones coming up in the next few weeks.
1: Okay. And for those who, you said you got like two websites, but for those who yep. like to find out a little bit more, um, yep. where would be the, the best place to, uh, to find out more about Molten Ventures and how that might be able to impact their own business? Um, yep. Yeah.
0: So I guess if you're, if you're a business owner, so obviously MoltenVentures.com is our main website. Um, it's interesting to check out the insights section. That's where we've basically, we, we, we've sort of found stories within our own portfolio where they have, to, yeah, they've been able to transform uh, through very different business challenges they face. You know, Bobby Healy from Manorero talks about being able to win over local communities uh, and regulators who might be a bit afraid of drones. There's other, all of our, yeah, you know, we try and find stories from our portfolio where those businesses tell stories of their own business transformation. Um, investors, we, I can't say too very much, too much because we, you know, there are issues around sort Of regulations around publicly listed companies, but those those people can find you know, those investors can find a link to our our, um, our, our investor relations website via the main moltenventures.com website as well. So, moltenventures.com, go and check it out. You can find out a little about, a bit more about the rebrand itself. You can find out about our portfolio. Um, you can read a lot about our investment team. You know, the, the, there's details about our investment team and the companies that they work with because, as I mentioned, it's not just about putting money in, it's spending time. Helping those companies grow over time. So there's the, the website is actually demonstrates it. It demonstrates the connections between the investors themselves and the companies they invest in. But likewise, if you visit the portfolio page, each of the portfolio companies will tell you about the investors that are invested in them. So it connects it connects to each other in that way as well.
1: And um, and then I'm guessing it would be LinkedIn for James Clark if you're from Pepsi or <laughs> Lego or, or probably yeah. BA.
0: Yeah, yeah, look, uh, uh, yeah, uh, maybe just, you yeah, know, I'll, I'll send you to a PO box if you've got, if you've got me name.
1: <laughs> look, it's been a pleasure, absolute pleasure. I, enjoy, I enjoyed this. So thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of, uh, no doubt, a very busy day to uh, to join us here on Screw It Just It. So thank you so much, James.
0: Thanks so much, Alex. Great to speak to you, and I uh, hope your listeners enjoyed it. I look forward to hearing you for more from everybody. Take
1: care. Appreciate it. If you'd like to learn how to launch and grow your own number one rated podcast like this with zero experience, zero knowledge and zero tech skills, come and join me at ultimatepodcastmastery.com where I've just launched for a limited number of people, brand new podcast membership Course, So you'll get access to my Ultimate Podcast Mastery Membership course, you'll get my digital workbook, my progress sheet, my launch checklist, and all the nitty-gritty cheat sheets, templates, and scripts the Podpreneur way. You'll also get weekly live Q&A with me, exclusive WhatsApp group chat. And entry to my private Facebook group, as well as access to all my past interviews and trainings with special guests as well. This is available for a limited time for a limited number of people. So once it's gone, it's gone. But if you'd like to learn how to do exactly what I'm doing now, then I'll show you how. Head on over to ultimatepodcastmastery.com. If you found value in this free podcast all i ask is that you tell somebody else about it you don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the screw it, just do it hashtag but if you do i promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks i'm at alex chisnell on linkedin twitter and facebook plus at alexander chisnell on instagram